It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Welcome, everyone, to another wonderful God-blessed day here at the House of David. I am Pastor Keith Allen. And today, God has brought back into my memory a message not given too long ago. But he has intermingled it with something um, to help us all feel a sigh of relief when it comes to his word. Um, this is all about a, a message that was given back um, about preparing the way, uh, I would say about a month or two ago. And God is adding to this because... In order to prepare the way, you yourself have to be prepared to walk that path. You yourself have to be ready and prepared to establish that path for others. And um, God is laid on my heart to give this message, and it's a very powerful message, so I, I pray in the name of Jesus that you all pay attention to it and just take it to heart what God is saying today. Um, because this is very important. So uh, I will be coming out of the book of Acts chapter 15. Again, that is Acts chapter 15. There will be some uh, supplemental uh, verses that I'm going to read from other books, but the main portion is Acts chapter 15. Um, But before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Give God thanks and glory and honor. Dear Heavenly Father God, we come to you in prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for this blessed day, dear God. We thank you for allowing us to wake up this morning, dear Lord God. Thank you for blessing us with good health in the name of Jesus, dear Lord God. And we pray right now, dear Lord God, as we come to you on one accord to hear, dear Lord God, to learn and understand your mighty word, dear Lord God, and to, and to increase ourselves in the mysteries of God. We pray in the name of Jesus right now, dear Lord God, that you just allow your Holy Spirit to dwell dear Lord God, within this place right now, and dwell, dear Lord God, amongst each and every ear that is hearing this message, dear Lord God. We pray, dear Lord God, for, for the hearts to be turned, for the mindset to be evaluated of these words, dear Lord God, to understand what exactly you are trying to say to the, to the Christian body of today, dear Lord God, that we are misunderstanding of the Christian body that happened long ago, dear Lord God, and we just pray in the name of Jesus our Lord and Savior, for understanding, wisdom, and knowledge of your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, again, stay there in in Acts uh, chapter 15. I had wanted to read uh, Isaiah chapter 40 real quick. You You don't have to turn there, okay? But it says this. 
Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 says this, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortable to the children, uh, um, to, to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her inequity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. God has pardoned us. He has forgiven everything. Okay? So keep that in your mindset when the message truly starts here today. All right? He says, The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for your God. Okay? So God is saying we need to prepare a way. Well, a lot of people are preparing ways. And we're all doing it in different manners. We're all doing it uh, according to whatever um, belief we have. And there's no, no wrong in that. Uh, what God has an issue with is oppression of his people. That's where God truly kind of gets, you know, we, we as people get under God's, uh, as we say, skin, as we you know, said in the human nature. Uh, but we tend to want people to come to Christ. We want people to come to our, our churches. We want people to come, you know, fellowship with us. But with the fellowship and with the joining uh, uh, of, you know, brotherly and sisterly uh, fellowship comes so much burden. What can you do? What can't you do? What shall you wear? What shall you say? And all these other things that come along with it. Now, I know there are people out there that believe that their faith, their um, de the denomination is the denomination to believe. Um, and I'm just going to tell you this. In a mouth turn, and I always say this, you cannot take a portion of God and say that that is all that matters of God. All of God matters. So when you take his word, you take all of it, not a portion of it. And we as a non-denominational church here at the House of David, we take it all into, into consideration. Every word of it, from Genesis to Revelation, we take in consideration. Now, I know in most today, a lot of people like to read only New Testament. Far in between, there are still Old Testaments read because a lot of people try to preach, you know, grace, mercy, salvation, and everything, which is true. But you forget how we got it. We preach Jesus, but what we don't preach is the background of Jesus, of what Jesus actually is trying to tell us, where he came from, his lineage was a Jewish lineage, and they believed in something that we throw to the wayside. We say we're no, no longer under the law. No, we're not under the law. I would agree with that. However, we are of the law. That's a misconception that a lot of people think that I'm no longer the law. The law doesn't control me. No, 
it doesn't control you anymore. It doesn't hinder you from salvation. But people don't realize breaking it can still cause you to fall. Any transgression is a transgression against the law. Why do you think that we still say sin? You're a sinner. You have sin. Yes, we sin every day. And we go, well, we're under, we're under mercy and grace. Yes, you are, as long as you repent and don't do it again. But we have this cycle going in the human nature that we, we, we just condemn ourselves on a daily basis. God's mercy and grace covers us, yes. But however, I'm going to read something out of, out of the book of Acts. And I want, I want everyone to get an understanding of what God is saying here today. And this is God's message today because there is a lot of people who oppress us in a way that we don't understand. There's a lot of people who tell us things that can truly lead us astray if we're not careful in listening to God's word. Okay? Now I'm going to read, uh, I, I'm not going to read the entire chapter of Acts 15. I have a few key points in which God has shown me today uh, for us all. Grace and mercy is abound. It is. But understanding is the most important thing of God's word. In verse 1 he says this, And certain men which came down from Judah taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So, they're saying, this is the Jewish nation telling the Gentiles, in order for you guys to be saved, in order for you to be grafted in to what we believe, you have to be circumcised. I know many of places you go, they tell you, you have to accept this, you have to accept that, you have to denounce everything that you believed in before in order to be accepted by them. Well, I'm not trying to be accepted by man. I'm trying to be accepted by God, first and foremost. So whatever little inkling of belief you have on this section of God's word, I believe it as well. I just believe in the rest of it along with it. So don't tell me that I need to denounce the other portion of God that dwells within me just so I can be with you. I want to be with God, and, and, and that's it. This is the misconception that people fall into that trap of because it, it happens a lot in today's society when it comes to the Christian walk. People are oppressed by, and I'm going to call it idolizing because you idolize a section of God's word, and that section of God's word is catered to a certain ministry or a certain denomination, and you, you're truly not paying attention because now what you're doing when you accept this portion of God's word, you debate the rest of it and thinking that it doesn't matter or it's omitted from you because I believe this over here, so this over here doesn't matter. Far from the truth. Now get this. As we go along, Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're going out about teaching and preaching, right? So it says, when, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small decisions and disputations with them, now they say this because later on in this chapter they have an issue with each other, okay? 
they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. So these people are like, they're saying we have to do this. Is this true? So Paul and Barnabas is going back to Jerusalem to go to talk to Peter, James, and all the uh, other elders uh, about this concern of, of this circumcision. And it says, and being brought into their way, they preach and teach the gospel along their way, according to what they believe. And when they, in verse 4, and when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But, verse 5, there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, see, which they believed, okay, separately from everything else, which believed, saying that it was needful of circum, uh, to circumcise them and to command, see, to command, like that's taking, trying to take control of somebody, and to command them to keep the laws of Moses. It's what they believed. They didn't say what was the word of God. <laughs> they believed it. And that's the way it is. We believe a lot of things as humans, but is it in God's will? Is it God's word? We can say a lot of things, but it mean a bag of peanuts if it ain't for God. So I say this. They said, and, to, and they said here, and to keep the law of Moses. And I said that if you follow Christ, you're no longer under the law. No, you're not. You don't have to be oppressed by the law. Christ fulfilled the law. Therefore, if you believe in Christ, what must you do? You must uphold the law now. It's not being under the law. You are now a minister of the law to tell those of the law because what do we do? We preach Christ. We preach the word of God to those who have not heard it, to those who do not understand it. And we preach it to them. In other words, you're presenting it to them. So these are people who don't know yet. And until they fully receive Christ, they have yet to find that salvation. Because you have to receive him, as it said in John chapter 3, that you must receive him and you must believe in him. Because he can't give you something if you don't believe in him. So I can't give you my salvation. I cannot give you my grace and mercy if you do not believe in the one and only begotten Son of God. These are not my words. These are the words of God in, in, the, in the scriptures. So as a new believer, until you truly, 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 truly believe in Christ, the law helps you and it keeps you to that point. But once you say, Christ is my Lord and Savior, boom, that's it. He's who I'm rolling with. Some people, it takes them a while to catch on to the Jesus thing. Some people, first day, I'm giving my life up to Christ. And they go to church and they, and they, 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 they you know, relinquish the, 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 world, um, the hold that the world has on them, and they're for Christ. I've seen it done. People on one day, one day going to church, and that's it. Life changer. But that's what Christ wants. 
but us as people who are paving the way, or teaching and preaching the word. We're to pave the way not to oppress. Because when you oppress, people digress. How many of you enrolled into a college program and we all done, we went into that doggone economics class. And unless you really like economics, 90% of the people drop economics. They would draw from that class because it's something we don't want to do. It oppresses you because it's like all these charts, all this stuff, it's like it makes no sense to me. I, I don't get it. And you, you boom, like I'm out of here. I'm going to do another class. When you oppress the word of God unto people and try to make them seem like they have to do, you know, the whole trifecta of this and that. And they don't want it. They don't want it. It's like, why should I need to go through all that? It's too hard. You know what? I'll just stay out here in the world and do me. I'm happy doing that. So why can't they be happy in Christ? We don't make people happy in Christ because of everything that we do, and this is what these people are doing. You know, they're sitting here telling me that what they believe they should be circumcised and commanded them. Like, no, you will follow the laws of Moses. Because that's the way they were. They were very bold in these days. So they get in your face and tell you, if you don't, you're out of here. Don't come back. Ministries today, kicking people out. Don't come back to my church. Don't do this. That's God's child. And if you're a minister of any sort, you don't kick people out. You don't turn them away. You help them as much as you can. And God forbid, if you feel you can't help them, you know what? Find another ministry and say, you know what? We may not be for you, but it's a ministry around the corner that caters more to what you want to do or what how you feel. Don't just kick people out. Guide them. Help them. Don't be selfish about numbers. Well, if I can't have you, nobody have you. Just leave. But don't give them no other kind of direction. You just do some uh, a, a child of God to the wayside. Direct them to another ministry. There's nothing wrong with that. Verse 6. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. Now, here's where it gets, gets a little testy. Because now, even what they're saying even what they're saying now is about to be tested. In verse 7 it says, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up. Because while Peter's like, you know what? I'm done with this. Just everybody be quiet right now. That's what he said. Just be quiet and listen to what God has to say in this matter. He says this unto them, Men and brethren, Ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by the mouth should hear the word of the, of the gospel and believe. Now, what does God's word say? Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing comes by what? The word of God. How do you get the word of God? By, by the word of mouth. Someone has to give it to you. So he's saying here. Their faith comes by hearing. And their hearing is by the word of God because he wanted them to hear it. He engrafted them in us. That's what Peter is saying. 
And he goes on to say, and God, which knows the heart, bear them witness. God is their witness, not us. Not these Pharisees, somebody, what they think they believe and what they think they should do. God is their witness as to how their heart is for him. It's not about a circumcision. It's not about wearing a hat. It's not about how you come dressed. It's not about what you say. It's about you knowing God and God knowing you. So God is their witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. So they were circumcised, the, 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 uh, the, the, the Jewish uh, portion of this um, gathering, they were circumcised and received the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, these Gentiles who were not circumcised still were able to receive the Holy Spirit. So now what? What is your argument now? You're still going to believe in just that portion of God's word? And he goes on to say this, verse 9, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. This is how you teach people. This is how you lift people up in Christ, not oppress them with your rules and your regulations. God is a wonderful God. He loves us all, and chance after chance, he gives us, he gives us, he gives us. But we sin, we tend to take God's word, and we try to rule with an iron fist with, with the word of God. Happens every day. Happens every day. But God is saying something here. And in verse 10, he goes, Now therefore, tempt ye, why tempt ye God? So you see, Peter, Peter's, Peter's really giving them something right now. He's, because he, you know, jumped up after all them bickering him on, and he had to jump up and silence them all and let them hear how God works. Because apparently, what I say, through it all you have to get understanding, and they had no understanding. Because when you only read a chapter of a book, you don't know the whole story, now do you? So how do you understand it all? You don't. You only know what you know. But you have yet to reach further into God and to go deeper into Christ. And you can't get there being so stubborn and stuck in your ways saying that I'm going to be here and this is what I believe. You go ahead and do that. But God is, 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 is a God, he's a whole God. He's not a part of a God. He's not some of this and some of that. He's all of it put together. But some of us only want to believe a portion of God. You may take this mission and say, well, no, I believe in God. I believe in he's awesome. But what are you doing to the legacy? What are you doing to the righteousness of God when you sit here and you tell people that everyone else is wrong and you're right? We all are correct in our ways. We also all are wrong in our ways. We all need to understand that God 
is for us all, why can't we all be for God? Because we're all for self. Whatever is easy for us to come into this thing, it's like a pyramid scheme. The heads, the leaders, they come in. The rules they set, they technically don't have to abide by because they're already in. So now it's everyone who comes up underneath them that needs to follow these rules in order to grow in, into Christ. So they set, they set the boundaries. They set the mark, which they are not even adhering to. Because I'm already pastor. I'm already elder. I'm already deacon. I'm already this. But the people that comes, come in up under them, oh, wait, we got a list here. You got to go to 15 classes before before you truly become a member, you gotta become, you gotta you gotta uh, volunteer for this. You gotta you gotta do this, and you gotta, you know, make sure you pay all your tithes on time and all this other stuff. However, get this is what Peter's saying. He said, "Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? Because we are all disciples. That's one thing we need to understand." Stop thinking that you are a member of a church. You're not a member of a church. You are a disciple in Christ, and you're trying to learn Christ. That is your objective. In order to pave the path, as it said in, in, um, in Isaiah, that he that cries in the wilderness prepare a path for the Lord, which is what John the Baptist was doing. Okay? That prophecy was about John the Baptist, and that's what he did. And what did Christ say? There was none greater than John the Baptist. Why? John the Baptist, through all of the negativity, through all the outcasting, knowing that what he was doing was right, and he's going to stay in his, his righteousness of God, was outcasted because he wasn't preaching and teaching the way all the elders and the uh, Pharisees and everybody else was doing in Jerusalem. He decided to go and separate himself from God. I mean, from, not from God, but from the rest of the rest of the the community. And he decided to say, "I know I'm right, and I'm going to do this in truth. I'm going to do this in righteousness." And he separated himself, and he said, "I'm going to do this for God." And I'm going to pave the way. I'm going to pave a, a righteous path for the coming of Christ. And this is what we need to be doing. The way we're doing it today, we're not paving a, a righteous path for God. We're preparing a way that has so many crooked manners in which it is going this way and that way. A path is laid straight, he says, for God. Not this way and that way. Because each denomination is this way and that way. It's not a, a, a straight path for God. That's why there was none greater than John the Baptist. Because through it all, he didn't care what anyone thought or what he was doing. He knew what he was doing was right for God. And it wasn't about him. And it wasn't about anyone else other than the coming of Christ. So now... Why do we put a yoke around those who follow and we call them members? Instead of calling them disciples, 
The reason why we don't call them disciples anymore is because no one is being taught. No one is being taught Christ. For his word says, ye have not yet learned Christ. This is why you cannot obtain the things that you seek. You sit and you listen, but you do not learn. And we're just reading that in Bible study. You will have an ear, but you will not hear. Eyes, but you will not perceive. So these things is what God is saying. You can sit there like zombies on a weekly basis, going through the motions, and obtaining not a word of God. And we got the people who memorize scripture. Find it, Danny. You can memorize it. But there's no power behind it if there's no understanding and no faith in it. You can recite all you want. Just as the sons of Sceva went and they recited scripture and they're trying to do this to these demons. There's no authority behind it. There's no learning behind it. Had they knew any better, they would have had the authority and these, these, these spirits would have listened to them. Aaron's two sons who went into the Holy of Holies, had they learned and understood God's ways, they would not have gone in the way they did. And for that, both of them dropped dead. So you see, we go into God's, as we say, God's house each and every week. We go for choir practice. We go for Bible study. We go for prayer night. We go for testimony night. We go for service. We go for everything else we, we can think of. But what are you getting out of it? Don't be a member anymore. Be a disciple of God. He says, Peter said it right here. Watch up you the Lord God to put a yoke upon them on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Now, as I say, the heads, they like, you know what? We're here. They feel as long as they're the head of something, they've accomplished something. So everyone else that comes up underneath me, we're going to make them work for it. Wherever you go, carry your Bible. If I don't see you with your Bible, then blah, blah, blah. If I don't see you in, in, in church every Sunday, blah, blah, blah. You know what, dude? I had the flu. No, I'm not coming. God understands that we get sick. He's our God. He knows how we work. Sometimes our body needs rest. I can't be to every service. I can't be to every function. But guess what? God can forever be in my heart and in my life, no matter if I'm sick or well. Can't go to church. Oh, I don't have a suit. You know what? If I had a cut-off T-shirt, some cut-off jean shorts, and some flip-flops, I'm going to church if that's how I feel. And if you don't like the way I'm coming, then you need to reevaluate yourself in Christ. Right. Because I know the God that lives in me says, come, you who are heavy laden. Amen. He didn't say come with a three-piece suit. He didn't say come with a fancy hat. 
with a cane, all styling out. He didn't say come with words of, of you know, these little, you know, catchphrases and, and elegant words that we try to use to entice people's ears. But he's saying, come to me, and I will relieve all these burdens that man has put upon you. Stop allowing mankind to put a burden upon you. Verse 11, again, we're in Acts chapter 15, verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So Peter's telling them, circumcised or not, through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. But you have to believe upon Christ. Stop believing what people are telling you how, how you need to act in Christ. Stop allowing that to happen to you. Because it does you no good to, to, to allow people to oppress you and then you fall to the wayside and they're still trying to so-called strive for God. I got this to say from, from, from uh, Matthew chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. Just listen. Please listen and, 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 and adhere to this. John chapter 3, referencing back to Isaiah chapter 40, says this in verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judah, and saying, Repent ye, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah. So they have different meanings in the Greek when they uh, write his word out. Saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Make his path straight. Without any crookedness, without any ill will, without any sinful agendas. Make the path straight. Can you truly and honest take away all the, the humanly needs and wants that happen in the church today and say that you're doing this for God or are you doing it for yourself? It's that simple. Make the path straight. And the same John had his remnant of camel's hair and a leather guard, girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. So you see, John didn't have a three-piece suit. He didn't dress like the high priest of the day. But yet, he was working in God. He was working for God. Don't think because you don't have all the luxurious things of this world that doesn't matter to God. You are who matters to God, not the clothes on your back. Not how much money you have. Not how many possessions you have. doesn't matter. A lot of people say, that, oh, look, I'm highly blessed. I'm highly favored. I got, you know, three houses, a boat, a jet. I got, you know, 
four cars and all this other stuff. Well, guess what? Every nation that took over and, and you know, pretty much took command of the children of Israel when they took over Jerusalem, when they, when they invaded and took them over, they probably thought the same thing. Oh, we are blessed. We got all this. We took all your stuff. They thought they were blessed, but they don't realize God was working. And all God was doing was using you to turn his people back to him. And through all your follies and through all your mess, eventually somebody is going to wake up and say, you know what? I'm done. I'm not following this nonsense anymore. I'm here for God, and if you can't give it to me, I'll go find him somewhere. Because God is everywhere. We need to adhere to what God is saying. We need to be for God, not for man. Disciples of Christ, not disciples of our church. Disciples of our, our, our preachers and apostles and, and bishops and, and popes and all this other stuff. Cardinals, whatever you want to call them. The days are going to come where the eyes of the people are going to be open. Just as Peter said, don't oppress them. And, and what, what are you doing? He said, don't tempt the Lord, God. Because that's what you're doing. You're tempting him by, by sitting up here feeding false prophecies to people, telling them how, how blessed they're going to be if they do this and do they do that. God says this back in Acts chapter 15. We're back there. Verse 14. Simeon had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is falling down and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, in verse 19, my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. So you don't trouble the children of God. When, they turn, when someone gives their life over to God, you don't put more burdens upon them. You relieve the cancerous things that they're trying to leave behind. The, the, the clubbing all night, the drugs, the drinking, the fornications that they're trying to leave behind. You don't oppress them with other things that make them want to withdraw back to these things. Because that's what happened to a lot of us when we got an addiction of whatever it is. And there's addictions of mighty things. It's just not addictions of drugs and alcohol. You can be addicted to, to, to like I said, fornication. You can be addicted to, to a lot of, of crazy things in this world. Uh, going to sports bars, going to, you know, do this and do that. And, but the point is, 
when you put so much pressure on someone, what is the relief valve? The things that they know. Well, let me go pick up a cigarette. I stopped smoking, but I'm going to go pick up a cigarette because now I'm stressed out by this whole church thing. Or I'm going to pick up you know, a bottle. Or I'm going over to do this and I'm going to do that. Because they're trying to relieve themselves of this pressure that they're getting. Why would you do this to God's people? Where is the love? You say you love them, but the love is not being shown. Verse 20. But that we are written, but that we write unto them that they abstain, and this is all he's saying, abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. He didn't say anything about a three-piece suit. He didn't say anything about not wearing this and you can't do that. You can't pray this way. He's just saying, you abstain from these things. That's why he said, for Moses of old time have in every city them that preach him. He said, y'all preaching Moses everywhere. Being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. But yet y'all still do these things. Because you haven't learned. You have not learned. Verse 24, I'm jumping down here. It says, so for as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. Yes, Christ didn't say that either. Christ told them to love one another as yourself. And through love, which meaning Christ himself, the way he loves, the way you love, through that love, the law is fulfilled. So now, like I said, when you follow Christ, you are no longer a follower of the law. You are an administrator of the law. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you carry yourself through your daily Christian walk, People see this. That is showing them how the law works in you, not you working to obtain the law because it's already been obtained through Christ. But for those who have not obtained, these are the struggles that you have or that we all would have if we have not accepted Christ in our lives. And this I say in verse 28, I'm jumping down again. He says, For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than the necessary things. No greater burden than what is absolutely necessary. Okay? That you abstain from meats offered to idols. That's what he just said earlier and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, for which if ye keep yourselves, you shall do well, and fare ye well. This is all God is trying to say. 
Be a disciple for Christ. Understand, learn, know his word. All of it, not a part of it. If you are in a certain denomination, speak God's word and take away that thought process you have. I don't care what what denomination you are. You can be non-denominational because even non-denominations have characteristics. Strip down the daily person you are. Remove all that old stuff. Like like Christ said, you can't put new wine into old wine skin. So remove the old you, renew yourselves in Christ, and learn God's word over again for yourself. Don't let anyone tell it to you. Don't read commentaries. Stay away from your study Bible. Take God's word, read it, meditate, pray. Let God give you the revelation. The Holy Spirit will come down and rain truth upon you. I promise you. You have the faith in God, it will happen. And you will get a more clear understanding of how faithful you need to be to God and what burdens that are truly upon you, which are none. There's no burdens upon you. Here at the House of David, we welcome everyone. And we believe in the Bible front to back. We believe in teaching God's truth. We don't look for numbers. We don't look for you to sit here and try and to uh, wait on us hand and foot just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that you serve me. No, I serve you. I'm supposed to take care of those who follow in this ministry to make sure that you are growing in Christ the way you should. You don't grow for me. You grow for you. You understand for you. So I need for each and every one of you today to understand God's word, to understand that the yokes are removed. No one can tell you how to serve God, only God. There's no commandment that tells you that you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. People take God's word. And each time Paul and, and, and Peter and James visited a certain town, there were certain things going on. So for that certain town and that certain situation, they gave laws to help the people get themselves back on track. Like he said, they came people telling you this and telling you that in the, in the scripture, that you shouldn't do this, you should do that. He said, well, no, that is not true. You should be doing this. So when they went to these towns, they said that, hey, because you allowed this to happen, we need to make sure that there's a discipline here and say, you know what? Don't allow the women to do this. Men shouldn't do that, and so forth and so forth. But that's only to a, a, a discipline 
to get them to understand that these things were not a burden to them, but it was more of a distraction for them to get to learn Christ. And once you removed all this craziness out of the way, people were able to focus again on Christ. Now, now once you're again focusing in on Christ, now all that stuff that they brought in, they're like, hey, you got to worry about that no more because it's in the back of your mind. You're not even worried about it no more. You're done. You're free from it, okay? So don't let it be a hindrance to you again. It's kind of like when you, when, when, with, with myself, you know, going through college, you know, I, I try and focus on certain things. And my discipline is I know I'm not going to get much sleep because I got to do a lot of studying. I know that I got to do a lot of studying. I got to do a lot of reading. I got my family life as well. I got the ministry, and I still have my job. So there comes a balance in what I know I got to do. I got to remove some stuff out of my life to make sure I get the things done that need to be done. This is like in the Christian world. You remove things from your life to make sure things can get done what need to be done. And before you know it, mission accomplished. I'm not saying that it needs to be out of your life altogether. You know, like, hey, I want to watch TV, but you know what? I know maybe I can only do two hours of TV a week. And you go, okay, well, the word says you can only watch two hours of TV a week. No, it's saying that at that time when you try to get yourself right, you might want to remove this thing from you until you get right, where you know you can handle it. That's all it's saying. And I'm saying that some things, yeah, you need to just leave it alone. Let it be out there. Don't let it come back. Some things is we, we put so much emphasis on stuff. Like I said, if you understood God's whole word and not a portion of it, that would not have gotten you misguided or misled you down the wrong path. So lay, lay straight the path for God. The path is you getting right. And when you get right, you try to lay that same path for others to get right. You don't put a stumbling block before someone else because you didn't want anyone to do it to you. That's the whole point. It's a pay forward kind of uh, a walk here with Christ. What, what someone helped you with, you help someone else with. But you don't oppress God's people. That's the, the one thing God is preaching here today is oppression, misunderstanding of God's word. That's why you need to be a disciple of Christ, not a member of a church. That's God's word today. I pray that you receive it. I pray that you understand it. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord God, that the Holy Spirit be dwelling within your hearts forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.